Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Delighted that this podcast is sponsored by CricketShirts.com. You're going to love their comfortable, great-looking polo shirts, guys. More on that in a moment. First, though, our guest is Mark Hemingway. Mark, you have a terrific piece that helps me with something I haven't been able to get my mind around. Summarizes some of the amazing information that's pouring out of the WikiLeaks of emails, etc. First of all, before we get to the details, do you have any qualms at all about reporting the stuff that... WikiLeaks is well. I kind of address this in the piece. I mean, I do think in general, you know, there should be a caveat lector applied here. Uh, Clearly, WikiLeaks has ties to Russian intelligence, or at least that's what the intelligence community is telling us. And we ought to be thinking long and hard about uh, why it is they're doing what they're doing. Um, But so far, every there have been multiple links, and dozens and dozens of bits of information come out that are, you know, have been crucially substantiated as being the truth. Um, And further. I talk about this little piece. I find it really fascinating the way that the treatment of WikiLeaks in the media has evolved. In fact, there was a Fareed Zakaria had a guy on CNN uh, over the weekend talking about uh, WikiLeaks. And the entire tone of the conversation was WikiLeaks used to go after the military industrial complex. Now they're going after Hillary Clinton. This is so strange. (laughs) Um, And. Uh, I really find that element of things right. just fascinating. When they were exposing stuff mm-hmm. about the drone warfare program in the Bush administration, right. WikiLeaks was this you know um, public interest whistleblower. Absolutely. And now all of a sudden they're exposing Clinton corruption, and it's just baffling to me that of all the things WikiLeaks has done, I mean, WikiLeaks released information indiscriminately that put Kenya on, at the brink of civil war. 1,300 people died because of WikiLeaks. And yet it was releasing Hillary Clinton's Goldman Sachs speeches that finally <laughs> produced enough international outrage at the British embassy or whoever, you know, right. the British, Who, sorry, the British government, whoever it was, right, whoever who? pressured the Ecuadorian uh, government to finally cut off Julian Assange's internet access because he's hiding out in the embassy in London. Um, I mean, it's just astounding to me that, that that's how WikiLeaks has is evolved. Yeah, absolutely. You can endanger U.S. military assets abroad. Nobody cares. But you endanger the uh, presidency of the Clintons and the Clinton machine. But here's the reason why it hasn't bothered the the weekly stuff as far as sourcing has bothered me. Everything that we've seen is so believable. Right. <laughs> the the, the uh, elitist tone of the people around her towards the voters, the the assumption that they have that the media are a bunch of re- lapdog reporters. You know, uh, was it Maggie um, Haberman. Haberman who will she ever be known as Old Faithful? Right. Because <laughs> that's where we leak to because we know we know we can count on her. So there's uh, that's what I found interesting is it it confirms what I thought I already knew. What for you are the holy crap highlights out of the WikiLeaks thus far? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I said that in the piece. In fact, I said, you know, if you had any doubts of the veracity of this, I'm sorry, but you could not, you know, gather the best social observers and uh, um, novelists America's ever produced and have them produce something that, like, so perfectly confirms the dark suspicions <laughs> of what liberal elites running the country do behind closed doors. Um, but so there are a couple of big things that really sort of emerge and sort of thematically. Um, first is that President Obama. Obama's involvement in this Hillary Clinton email scandal might be a lot bigger than we thought. Um, one of the big – there's a couple of emails in there. Um, uh, um, one is an email One is an email Podesta sending as, as the scandal is breaking saying, you know, what do we do about POTUS's emails to us? You know, remember um, – 
President Obama famously said, like every other uh, unsuspecting calamity that has you know uh, happened during his administration, that he learned about it reading the newspaper. Well, we now know that uh, he was emailing you know Hillary Clinton uh, on her private email server in a way that makes that claim really untenable. On top of that, we had FBI revelations in, in late September that showed not only was he emailing Hillary Clinton, he was emailing Hillary Clinton using a pseudonym. Right. Even Hillary Clinton's aides, Huma Abedin, were like shocked by this. Um, so. Um, the well, the spot by the pseudonym for a moment, it indicates a possibility that you are aware that this email you're sending is going someplace where if it's, hi, this is Barack, that might cause a problem. We don't right. know for a fact that he used a pseudonym because he knew it was going to an unsecured email, but it certainly would fit into a common sense explanation. Absolutely. And when uh, Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's aide, found out that this was going on, her immediate response, according to the FBI, was, how is this not classified? And then demanded a copy of the email. So not surprisingly, Huma Abedin was given you know, immunity later on by the FBI. She also happened to be coincidentally in possession of physical evidence, possibly of something of the president possibly doing something illegal. Um, and so then and there was another WikiLeaks email you know, that pointed toward Obama's you know, involvement in this mess or um, somehow. So... Um, um, you know, if Hillary Clinton had gone to trial and uh, um, we had seen, you know, this had been a big issue pretty soon, Obama's um, involvement um, in, ter- in terms of what did he know about her private email server and when did he know it would have become a, a very big point of contention in any sort of ensuing trial. So that explains a lot why she wasn't prosecuted. And remember, she deleted 33,000 emails, and I don't believe we've seen any emails to and from her really f- from the president yet. So, uh, you know, who knows? Exactly. Who knows? Now, before we get to the rest of what's in WikiLeaks, though, i got to stop and thank our sponsors at CricketShirts.com. So since I've started talking about them, people have been stopping me to say, hey, what makes these Cricket polo shirts you're talking about so special? Now, the guys at CricketShirts.com would say it's because it's 100% certified organic cotton, super soft. They'd say it's because they spent a long time on the design, so you don't get with the big boxy, baggy size or the way too tight, uncomfortable size. Or they might say it's because Cricket shirts come with a removable collar stay to help keep your collars looking crisp and new instead of getting wrinkled, rippled, and limp. But for me, the deal is this. When I find a polo shirt that I really love, it looks good and it feels right on me, I wear it all the time. And it doesn't take very long before it looks like I wear them all the time. And my wife wants to throw them out because they the wrinkled collar and the, the fading, whatever. And that's why CricketShirt.com quality matters. When I find something I like and looks good on me, I just want to wear it. I want to go out and have to buy a new one every three or six months. And with CricketShirts.com, Shopping is so easy because they offer free, no-hassle returns and exchanges. And for you, our Weekly Standard listeners, a 20% discount, 20% off your first purchase. Just go to cricketshirts.com slash weeklystandard. That's cricket, C-R-I-Q-U-E-T, cricketshirts.com slash weeklystandard. Okay, Mark, so what were the other holy moly moments in the Wikipedia leaks? Well, um, okay, that's really the big holy moly in terms of corruption. The secondary thing is something that's sort of been breaking over the last week. I didn't actually get around to addressing the piece, which is this $12 million deal with the King, King of Morocco and the Clinton Foundation and all that. I mean, Bob Woodward was on, uh, I think, Fox News over the weekend just saying, look, this is just straight up corrupt. I mean, um, so that needs to be sort of dug into some more. And, um, well, but- the outlines for people who don't know, an offer was made for $12 million for the foundation for the secretary's time, right? Yes, Exactly. I'm not overstating that. No, no. And and when you combine that with all the other, you know, um, um, million dollar birthday gifts. 
insinuations of pay to play, you know, the um, Clinton donors uh, getting special access to the State Department. I mean, you mean re- the Friends of Bill list that yes. was literally a Friends, friends of, of Bill, Bill list. list. Yes. I mean, they weren't even subtle about it. Exactly. Um, I mean, it really does paint a, a picture of corruption. So, I mean, th- that's the those are the big allegations of actual out and out corruption. There's some other stuff about illegal coordination with PACs. Um, political action committees, um, and that is going to take a while to unpack. You know whether or not there's anything you know really bad there. Although I'm you know sure it looks like mm-hmm. there is. Um, but beyond those you know more tangible aspects of corruption, we get into some other stuff that's really more just about the Clinton character and how they operate. For one thing, we we learn a lot about the liberal policy agenda and how disingenuous it is. In fact, um, there's a great sort of email exchange with Neera Tandon, who's the head of the Center for American Progress, which is a the most influential liberal think tank in Washington, D.C., was founded by John Podesta, the guy whose emails were hacked. And she's on record saying, by the way, guys, don't come out and endorse a $15 minimum wage um, because um, a bunch of liberal economists think it'll kill jobs. Meanwhile, you know, her think tank is out there promoting this as this wonderful thing. Sure. There are statements and stuff under her name. I mean, like, they know darn good and well this will cost jobs, but um, they're out there promoting right. it anyway. And then there's, you know, other things in the emails, you know, Donna Brazil privately saying, you know, Obama's record on jobs is terrible when, you know, we all know that publicly they've been trying to defend his economic record. Um, and there's just lots of little insinuations about the policy stuff being very politically calculated as opposed to them actually believing in their policy agenda. Let me add one more piece to this and see if, if it fits in what you saw in the WikiLeaks. And that is the reporting from the Wall Street Journal that Terry McAuliffe was feeding yeah. um, uh, around half a million dollars in campaign contributions to the wife of the FBI chief who oversaw the D.C. office at the time. He's now, I think, the number three guy. Right. And what was significant to me is he was overseeing the email server stuff because he was the head of the FBI in the D.C. area. Right. Well, the, the, the timeline is a bit iffy, and you know, this is how the Clintons skate on everything, which is to say that the initial McAuliffe donation of almost half a million dollars um, was on March 7th, which is something like five days after the email scandal initially broke. Mm-hmm. But certainly... The um, email investigation got underway that summer, um, and that was you know concurrent with the um, state Senate race that his wife was uh, running in. Um, and uh, on top of that, it's actually closer to $700,000 if you count the Democratic Party of Virginia money that McAuliffe had a big hand in directing toward her, you know, and this is – you know, personally, almost $700,000 from one donor for a state Senate race. Now, granted, it's, it's a Northern Virginia Senate race, state Senate race. So it's probably a bit more expensive than you would you would think right. for that sort of thing. But it's still, I mean, you know, clearly that kind of thing, you know, if it's not a direct quid pro quo in terms of the mm-hmm. timeline, um, you know, it certainly still reeks of quid pro quo. And it's not like Governor Terry McAuliffe has been suspected of doing things like bribing federal judges before or anything. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that he would get the benefit of that in these circumstances. Right. But this is how the Clintons always skate on everything. You know, there's I mean, there's so much smoke, you know, people are dying of smoke inhalation all around them. But, you know, nobody can really point, you know, the media and everybody else pretend that there's no fire. Yeah, there. Because this is what I understand. Why isn't the headline? Hey, this case was investigated by a guy whose wife got 640 whatever it was $1000 from the Clinton's best political operative. I mean how is that just I mean, that's the whole story. If it were George Bush and whatever, you know, Dick Cheney's chief of staff, you know, got whatever his wife got whatever, the, the New York Times that would be the front page above the fold headline. Right. And yet here it's well, I don't know, you can't say they did anything wrong. Well, you can never say they they've done anything wrong until it finally goes to a quarter, but you can see the stuff that makes you go, "Wow." 
you never should have been in this position in the first place. Right. I mean, again, there's just a total double standard here. I mean, what we're seeing here is kind of the death of the Watergate ethos here. Right. Um, in the sense that, you know, the central to the myth of journalists is this notion that, you know, they are the vanguard, you know, that they, they, they hold, you know, make sure that no one is above the law and, you know, we're going to, you Afflict know. Afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Right. Even take down the president of the United States, you know, right. if they're doing something wrong. You know, here we have a situation here where the president Obama is directly implicated throughout his presidency. He's done all manner of things and all different, you know, uh, different subjects, you know, to to be um, completely untransparent, to hide things from Congress, to hide things from voters. And, you know, we have him directly implicated in something. And, you know, nobody's outraged about this. Nobody's calling for the president to be accountable here. And and the same thing with the Clintons. They just the accountability just doesn't apply to them. As long as they're furthering a policy agenda and a political agenda that journalists want to see enacted, then there is no actual accountability regardless of rule of law. Which is why we should just go back to the penny press. It should be the Boston Globe Democrat. And it should just, you know, say right up front, what they're doing because that's how they're covering these races. Right, and that brings us to the final thing that really is worth marveling at in this, you know, these emails, yes. which is the way that journalists come off. I mean, exactly one journalist, Jake Tapper of CNN, comes off looking good, sending you know nasty emails to Podesta when warranted. Um, uh, and uh, um, other than that, I mean, it's just astonishing. You know, you mentioned Maggie Haberman; she's not even really implicating any direct wrongdoing. Although you do wonder what she did that made it so the Clinton and, uh, people think that you know she's quote never. Dis- Disappointed exactly. them when she tees up stories for them. <laughs> um, but there are other things like Mark Leibovich, uh, who's, you know, very talented sort of, you know, feature writer at the New York Times, um, you know, is, is sending off quotes uh, from his profile of Hillary Clinton for approval ahead of time, including one piece where Hillary Clinton talks about how what a travesty it is that gay rights and civil rights, you know, moves faster than, you know, women's rights, mm-hmm. you know, which is just so perfectly comports with everything you think about Hillary Clinton is like constantly thinking of herself as the victim, you know, um, you know, you know, well, you know, you may be you may be born black in the South in, in you right. know, 1950s America, but, you know, I was born a, a woman in suburban <laughs> Illinois. And let me tell you, you know, how difficult my life has been. Struggling at Wellesley was terrible. Um, but, you know, again, it was it's against New York Times editorial policy to give your sources quotes to approve ahead of time. Same thing with Politico's um, Glenn Thrush, right. who you know has constantly been under fire for making ridiculous pronouncements and being kind of hacky. Um, he gave a whole section of his story to John Podesta for approval ahead of time. Again, uh, this is against uh, Politico's editorial policy to give sources mm-hmm. the stories in advance. And we know this because... One of Politico's other reporters, Ken Vogel, was caught in the, in the DNC WikiLeaks hack over the summer, <laughs> forwarding an entire draft of a story to a DNC press secretary. And they had to come out and clarify, uh, yeah, this is not our standard editorial practice. <laughs> um, but Look, you, if you read Politico, you know that whatever they say, it is, in fact, their standard editorial right. practice. And that's, once again, back to the big picture. I appreciate you gathering these kernels out of here. But it's what's surprising to me is how unsurprising they all yeah. seem to be. And that is the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Mark Hemingway, for joining us here. Be sure to follow the Weekly Standard Podcast at iTunes.com. You can subscribe there. It's absolutely free. And please give us five stars. That's always helpful as well. I'm your host, Michael Graham.